basketball game here and we were watching the football game. We have two TVs in our living room so we can watch a football game and basketball game at the same time. <laughs> or we can watch two different football games, I mean, you know, and those kind of things. So, you know, I mean, what can I say? We, we, we're kind of like, we like sports. And we were there in the, and we're rooting for the Jazz and the Jazz are not playing very well. They're kind of, you know, stinking up the place. And my husband's getting a little excited, a little too excited sometimes. And usually when he gets excited, the dog starts barking at him and growling at him, letting him know that he's, you know, he's uh, gotten a little bit too excited. And so he's yelling at the TV or the refs or something like that. And I, and I just kind of looked over and I says, honey, you know, if the pastor knocked on the door of this house tonight, you wouldn't be acting like that. <laughs> so we got to kind of got a, you know, a little... I got the look, though, in case you were interested. I got the look. <laughs> but it was kind of fun. It is kind of fun, you know, to be able to do that. And being a Christian isn't all about seriousness. It's all about having fun and being able to do things like that. So it's kind of fun to be able to, you know, to do that. So now this morning, in case you don't know it, like I mentioned before, this is the last year, the last Sunday of 2008. And we may say good riddance or whatever it might be, but... Pretty soon it's going to be, be in the past, and next Sunday we get to start out with a fresh new year. So that's kind of exciting. And thinking about the old year and thinking about New Year's in general, I was kind of looking at a, a scripture that's found in Ecclesiastes, the seventh, seventh chapter. And Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, so he's got a lot more wisdom than a lot of us had. I wish I had a little bit of Solomon's uh, Wisdom. I even tried praying the prayer of Solomon. Say, God, here I am in this position, and you know that I need all the help I can get. And I didn't ask for riches. I didn't ask for all these other stuff. And so God gave Solomon wisdom. And he says, because you didn't ask for these, then I'm going to give you these too. But I uh, guess that was an Old Testament prayer. <laughs> so, but every week I have to pray for wisdom, and I have to ask for guidance. You know, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. You know, I love this church, and I count it a privilege to be here. I don't feel like I was, you know, in this position because there was nobody else and those kind of things. I feel like it's a privilege that God has allowed me to take, take this position and to be able to fill it. So I, I feel blessed because of that. And I love each one that's here and I pray for you and uh, those kind of things. So I'm thankful for that. So in Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter and verse eight, it says, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, yeah, the end of the sermon is a lot better than the beginning of it. <laughs> but in generalities, that's a true scripture. Now, if that's true, we have to kind of think about that. Now, I know if, if you traveled over the holidays, and if you were stuck in a car for a lot of hours and a lot of time, and you finally made it back home, you're saying, yeah, the end of this trip has been, is better than the beginning because you're, you're done with all those miles in the car. When we flew to Israel, it was a long time in that airplane. A long time, what was it, a 14 hour drive flight? What is it? Yeah, 14 hours in, in a plane. And one little crunched up thing, and they don't give you the leg room they used to, so you're kind of almost sitting on your neighbor's lap too. And I'll tell you, going, we could hardly wait to get there. And when we got there, we were so happy that the flight was over. And then when we come back, as much as we loved Israel, as much as we loved being there and all those things, we were so happy to get out of that plane and get home because all that traveling and all that time was behind us. So the end was better than the beginning. And then we look at a, a ship's captain that goes and they, they go, go into a far country to get uh, cargo. And they go there and they come back. 
And he'll say, yeah, the end of this voyage has been better than the, than the beginning. Because he can look hindsightly at all the storms that he went through on that journey. He can look, remember all the times that he couldn't see the stars, he couldn't see the sun, and he's finally made it home. So the end of that journey is better than the beginning was. And we look at people now, right now we're at war. So we have a lot of soldiers that are going over to Iraq and Afghanistan and these places, Lord, to fight, to fight. And you talk to them, you know, and they're on their way over there. Yeah, they know they got to go and they look at all the obligations and all those things that they have to do and they face the reality they may never come back. But when they come back and we show it on the news every week when the soldiers come in and the, the guard comes in, how excited they are to see their family and their kids and all these other kind of things. And they say, yes, the end of this trip was better than the beginning was. And so we're sitting there and we're looking at this last year. And we're saying, wait a minute, pretty soon 2008 is going to be history. And we have this scripture say, well, hey, the end is better than the beginning. Well, we've had a lot of challenges this year, especially, you know, in the church with, you know, a lot of changes, changes that have happened. And at the time that we're going through them, we're saying, man, I don't know. Is the end really going to be better than the beginning? But we can claim this promise. And we can realize that, hey, that's what God's word, word says. It says the end's going to be better than the beginning. So down the road, after we get through some of these things, it's going to be better than the beginning because we have God's word of that. And this verse can soothe a lot of regrets for us as Christians. As we look back over 2008, we say, man, there's a lot of things that I didn't do that I wanted to do. We have a lot of regrets. I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have said that. I wish I'd have witnessed to this person. Why didn't I go out of my way and help that person? And all these things that we have that we can look back and say, I regret. I wish something would have been different. We have these people that to say, how time flies. Or I wish I could go back and live this time over with. I wish I could do that. I wish I could change something. How many times have you said, I'd like to go back and live my life over knowing what I know now? I've said that before. And we sit there, and when we gather around with our kids, we're always talking about the old days and the times that they were growing up, and they were such good times. But according to the scripture, the end is better than the beginning. And we look at Ecclesiastes, the 10th verse from the 7th chapter. It says, do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. So the Bible's saying it's not wise to kind of wish that you could go back in the past and do things better or do things differently. He says it's not wise to do that because we waste so much time of our life in the past. And we can't change the past. The past is gone. He says, so it's not wise to do that. And if we're looking at the past, how many of us would love really to go back and relive this year? I personally wouldn't. I had three surgeries this year. I don't want to go back and live any of them. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go back and relive any, a lot of parts of it, most of it. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we look at these, the trials that we've been through, and we look at it, maybe we went through some physical times in your life, and you don't want to go back and relive them. Maybe you had some financial problems, and now you're finally starting to come out of that, and you can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. You don't want to go back and do that again. Maybe there's some uh, uh, spiritual needs. Maybe there were some temptations that you went through, and you had a hard time going through those. Do we really want to go back and go through them again? The devil beat, beat us up this last year. Do we really want to go back and relive that beating? I don't think so. I've never yet had a kid that I, when they were growing up, that I disciplined through spanking. That was in the old days when you could do that. 
They come to me afterwards and thank you for the spanking. I want to have it again. Please spank me again. Of course, Bill Cosby, you know, in his, I don't know whether you've ever uh, seen his uh, comedy routine that he did, Bill Cosby himself. This was a long time before most of you were born, I know. That he said that, you know, our, he was raising his kids and he said the kids could not sat, live through a day because they wanted a spanking. They said, I cannot go to sleep until I've had my spanking. <laughs> but sometimes when we look back like that, we don't want to live through those things. We do not want to. Yeah, we like some of the good times and we like to change some things. But the Bible says it's not wise to live there. It's not wise to dwell there because it influences our future. It influences to what we do today. And God doesn't live in the past. He lives in the, in, the, in the present and in the future. The world lives in the past. That's where the world lives. But we as Christians, we live in the future. So we don't want to go back. We wouldn't want to, you know, go through and live that over again. We're a lot older and we're wiser because of this year. We're stronger as Christians because of whatever we went through this year. I don't know what they are. Only you and God knows. But we're stronger today because of all those things that we went through. And I don't want to go through them again. I don't want to go through one day of it. I'm looking forward to the future, and I'm looking forward to the present because God's where God dwells. When I was there, the past, it's God. I can't change anything. And so God doesn't want us looking back. He, if you noticed in the armor, there's nothing on the back side because God doesn't want anybody to retreat. And when we're spending our time looking back, then we're retreating because God's looking at the future. And, and we need to look at the, you know, the victories that are ahead, ahead of us. James, the first chapter, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. Ooh, don't like that. I don't, I've never said, thank you, Lord, for all the joy because of these trials and tribulations. But actually, we should thank God for them because every trial or everything that we go through, God is going to use to strengthen us and to make us stronger and make us more dependent upon him. So if we're going through a time, and maybe that's you this morning, if you're going through something, then count it joy. Say, God, I don't understand how you're going to work this out. I don't know what's going on, but I know that you're able to do it. I know that you are going to work it out. And I have that confidence. So I can, in faith, be joyful through faith. Not through the circumstances, not through what you're going through, but in faith looking forward, I can be joyful. God used 2008 and all its fa failures and everything that we went through to help us grow and help us mature. And we wouldn't want to go back. And we've got to quit fretting about the past and just worry about the present and the future. This verse can calm our fears about the future. People look at the beginning, you know, maybe of 2009, because of everything they went through 2008, they say, man, how can this year be any better? Do I got to start out again and look forward to all these things? Well, I don't know what we're going through this next year. I don't know that. Only God knows. But I do know that the end will be better than the beginning. So if, 290, if 209, 209, 2009 isn't starting out so well because this 2008 isn't finishing very well or doesn't seem to, you're wondering, and you're fearful because of the future, saying, hey, how can I, how this is going to be any better, man? Am I going to spend this whole next year the same way this year was what? God says no. He says the end is going to be better than the beginning. So we have to claim that verse and know that God knows what he's doing. And whatever comes our way, if we trust God, he's going to work it through. And at the end of whatever it is we're going through, we're going to say, yeah, the end was better than the beginning. In uh, Lamentations... 3.27, it says, It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. 
Yeah, that's probably true. A lot of baby Christians, they go through a lot of their trials and tribulations at the first part of their Christian life, which is good sometimes because you're young. When you get older, it's harder to do things. You remember when you was young, you could do things that now you can only, only vaguely remember you used to could do? You know, every time I get up out of a chair, I remember how old I am. You know, bring in the crane, bring in the crane, bring in some help. I need one of those lift chairs to get me up, you know. So I went, man, I can remember, I vaguely remember those days when I could do those kind of things. I remember them. And sometimes that's the same thing with our Christian life. We can do a lot of things that when we were younger Christians, we could endure some other things. But as we get older, then our lives change because we're more mature. We become more mature and we become stronger. And if you're like a, a weightlifter, you know, the first time you lift uh, 50 pounds, that thing's heavy. But after you do it all the time and you experience it, then it's nothing for you to lift it. And that's the same way it is the Christian life. Sometimes we have to, you know, go through those hard times at the beginning because the end is going to be better. It's going to be easier for us. There's a lot of things now that I'm not tempted to do that I was tempted when I first got saved to do. Those kind of things don't bother me anymore. Why? Because, hey, I'm stronger now. It's not an issue more. I'm closer to God now. I've, God has allowed these temptations and these things in my life to make me stronger so I can endure. So it's good when you go through a lot of things when you're younger so you don't have to go through them when you're older. So it's, it's, uh, it's great. But no matter what we go through, whether we go through a lot or we go through little, God knows what we can handle. God knows what trials to allow to come our ways. He knows what temptations to allow. God doesn't tempt us. He tests us. And tests happen of stuff that you're supposed to already know. You're not tested about, if you're going to, taking an English class and they give you a test in English, it isn't going to be math. You can bet that the English test is going to be better at English. And that's the same thing God does. He tests us of stuff that we already know. And we know that we need to depend on him. If a little girl wakes up in the morning and sees the sun going behind a cloud, she may ask her dad, hey dad, who put out the sun? Because that's her understanding of the things. To her, the sun's gone. Oh, man, I lost the sun. It's gone. But we as adults, we don't need to worry about that because we know that although we may wake up and the sun's behind a cloud, one day that sun's going to shine again. It isn't, got, it isn't put out. And that's the same thing when we're going through a situation in our life. We don't have to worry about the situation because eventually it's going to get better. Eventually, the light's going to shine, and whatever it is that we're going through is going to be behind us, and we'll be able to look at it hindsightly, and it's going to increase our faith, and it's going to encourage us to know that, hey, the sun was gone that day, and yet it shone again. And then next time you have the sun blocked in your life, then you can say, I don't know how the sun's going to shine, but I know it's going to because I have God's promise that he's going to help me get through it. So the end will be better than the beginning. It's a lot nicer to picnic in the middle of summer when the weather's gorgeous and the sun's shining and having all that kind of funny, but I don't know anybody wants to go out and picnic in the park today, have a, take a sack lunch, sit on the lawn. Anybody want to do that today? Uh-uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but we know that that day's going to happen. And that no matter what we go through, it's going to get better as long as we trust in God and allow him to, to strengthen us and to utilize whatever we need to learn in order to get through that. So the end will be better than the beginning. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Wow. 
God knows the plans he has for us. And the plans God has for us are great. They're better than anything that we could possibly dream of. No matter what our future is, they're in God's hand. God's in control. And we have to go through dark times in order to enjoy the light. And we have to use these dark times in order to, to grow and to be able to be strengthened in God. And so our faith can increase and, and we can be able to do things that we never thought we could do. But if you're just like a little kid, a little two-year-old kid stuck in a room with just a bunch of toys and that's all you ever know, that's fine when you're two. But when you're 40, hey, there's something wrong with you if you're staying in the room playing with toys all day long. And there's something wrong with the parents for letting you do it. These parents that don't raise their children to be able to be mature and to grow and accept responsibility for their actions. We live in a society that the parents take everything away from their kids. They make all the decisions for them. They never let them stand accountable for anything that they do. Nothing. I'm going, what is the matter with the kids? Yeah, but what's the matter with the parents? Well, God isn't like that. God loves us too much to let us stay infants. God wants us to grow up. And unfortunately, when we grow up, we, ha we have to do things we don't want to do. A little kid may, at six months, you know, they try to walk. They try to move around because they're not satisfied with where they're at. They want to do something different. They want to be released from this little bondage area that they have. They want to be able to get off the blanket. They want to be able to walk in, God, in, in God's power. That's what we should do. They want to walk. And so next thing they know, they're up there and they're climbing up on the furniture and they're trying to walk and they fall and they crack their heads. And our great-granddaughter's got a big boo-boo on her, on her head or on her eye. She's got a black eye. And she says she's afraid to take her to the store because people think they've abused that poor little child. <laughs> and I said, hey, it'd be a good idea. You know, take her to there and let her look at the poor little black eye and said, yeah, you get smart with me, you're going to look just like her. <laughs> But God doesn't want us to, be, to remain on this little blanket of existence. God has a whole world out there he wants for us. He has so much blessing that he wants to give us, but unfortunately we have to grow up in order to obtain them. We have to walk the walk and talk the talk, both. And God isn't going to give us everything we want, just like little kids at Christmas time. God isn't Santa Claus. We don't get to crawl up on his lap and say, this is what I want for Christmas. This is what I want today. Because all it is is just me, 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 my, 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 my. That isn't God's will for our lives. Because the more selfish we are, the less actually we will have. And the less likely we will have successful lives. Because God's will is for us to bless us so we can bless others. That's his will and his purpose. And he's going to do whatever he needs to for us to grow up. And as soon as you pass through this test, as soon as you can take one step, then you'll be able to take two. But until you take that one step, hey, you're going to remain on the blanket. And that's what God wants for us. So we can't look back at the past. We've got to look forward and say, God, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what goes on, I have this hope in knowing that you have a plan for my life. And that plan is for good. And, that, and I can hope. And so I can look forward to the future because I know that God's in control. And no matter what happens in my life, no matter the, the problems or the situations that are going on, I know God's going to use it to make me stronger, make me a better person, make me a better Christian, because that's his will for my life. God doesn't want a bunch of babies that are 40-year-olds. He doesn't want 40-year-old babies any more than I do. It's one thing to change a six-month-old baby's diaper, but it's quite another, a 40-year-old, you know? And that's what sometimes we do in the churches. We get all these Christian babies running around, and, and, and the people in the church can't do anything else except change diapers. Well, God doesn't want to spend us to spend our lives changing diapers, especially our own. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, that is pretty bad. You know, I remember when my, my one son, Jason, my Sheldon will be happy that I didn't use him in this example. I'm always telling him I'm using him. I'm not planning on it. She says, yeah, and I come to church and visit there. I'm going to say, this is the one that I've been talking about. <laughs> but I remember Jason when I was trying to potty train him and put on the big boy pants, you know. And that's where they had the portable, you know, throwaway ones, you know, when you had to actually wash him. And I tried and tried and tried to get that, that kid broke of going to the bathroom. So he would go to the bathroom in his pants, number two, and he would go in there and he would take his pants off, go in the toilet, and he would rinse them out. Because <laughs> he knew, he knew he wasn't supposed to do that, but he was so busy and he didn't like the mess. So I made him rinse his own pants, so he got to where he'd take them off and go in the toilet and rinse them out, you know. You're half old, you know, he's out there rinsing his toilet, rinsing his underpants in the toilet. So they know, but sometimes we're like that. We know we're not supposed to do that. We know we're not supposed to react like that, but what do we do? We're out there, we're going around, we're pulling off our underwear, and we're out there rinsing in the toilet. But that isn't God's will for our life. God's will is for us to grow up and to put on big boy pants and big boy jeans and big boy clothes and to be able to act the way that God wants us to in measurement according to our age. And if we never do anything, if all we do is just never try to, try to stretch ourselves, and we never try to climb off that blanket and rock and try to do whatever we need to do, then we're, that's where we're going to spend our life. And that isn't God's will for your life. God's will is for us to get off the blanket. And this verse also encourages us that we can face the pains of the present. We know in the future... Yeah, we have God's hope, and we know that he's going to be with us no matter what we do, no matter what's going on, we have that confidence. But we also know that right now, maybe we're going something through something right now. God is the God of the present also. So we don't have to worry about it. Maybe we don't like what we're going through. I don't know anybody that's going through a trial or a situation in their life that they like. Nobody. Unless, you know, there's some people that like pain. I don't happen to be one of them. But there, you know, maybe there are some. But for the present, if we're going through something right now and we're struggling through it and we don't know how we're going to get through it, then we can claim that scripture say the end is going to be better than the beginning. I don't know how God's going to work this out. I don't know how it's going to make me stronger. I don't know anything about it. But I do know that God has a plan for my life. And that plan for God's life is for me to get through this situation, to get through this with strength and power, and to be stronger because of it. So I don't sit there and moan and gripe and murmur and complain about all these things that I'm going through, even though how attempting it was. We had a lot of fun at our house yesterday. <coughs> Didn't we, honey? This snow, you know, like I said, we, you know, the people that paid for right Christmas, God really shows you that when God blesses you, he blesses you, shake down, press together, and running over. That's his will. So, <laughs> Billy, you got your snow. <laughs> But because of the snow, we come home, you know, from Wednesday night, and uh, we got the, uh, come into the driveway, and, you know, it was fine when we left. When we got home, there's, you know, this much snow, and our truck is not a four-wheel drive. And we came in, and we got stuck in the, in the driveway. Well, it was funny, because he pulled into the driveway to open, you know, in the garage, got fine, tried to open the garage. The garage didn't work. Wouldn't work. It was frozen to the, to the bottom of it. So he sits there and he tries to get back and forth, back and forth. Figure, well, I'll just pull it from the house, okay? And back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. You hear that fateful sound that everybody loves to hear in the stall, you know, that noise that you love. And we're not going anywhere. So finally, you know, he 
upset, you know, I'm upset, you know, because we've got to get out and walk through the snow. So he gets out, you know, shuts his car door. We're going to go in the house and just forget it for the night. So he gets out, puts his hand in the pocket, and hits the garage door opener, and the garage door open goes. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Those are wonderful days, aren't they? <laughs> and so the next day, I guess this was Friday, not Wednesday, it was Friday, because we went out, for, out to dinner with some friends. And so Saturday, which was yesterday, he was, right, it was yesterday. Aren't you glad I know the days of the week? Friday, Saturday, okay. And so he's out there, and he figures, well, I'll just, you know, now I, it's daylight. I'm going to get the truck in the, you know, in the garage. So he goes out there and tries to get it to go, and it won't go. It goes, and slides sideways and almost hits a tree. And so he, oh, so he's got to go put the, put the backhoe in and charge it so he can move, so he can clear the snow away so he can get in the driveway. So he does it. So all day on and off during halftime, of course. You know, they had a lot of games on yesterday. They had a lot of games, halftime. That's the only time we liked halftime yesterday was so he could go, put his boots on, go outside, back up, go, click, 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 you know, like they do. So then he came back in and charged it some more. So finally about, uh, I guess it was about 8 o'clock last night, he finally went in there and the backhoe finally started and he cleared all the snow out to where he could get the, get the truck into the, into the garage. So those days are going to happen. And he wasn't out there. He was trying to say, he was saying, praise the Lord to, to, try to try to keep him from being angrier than what he really was. He was praising the Lord out here, but in his heart he's going, you know, some of those days that you have. And we're going to have those days. All of us are going to have those days when everything doesn't work out right. That's when we have to depend upon the other times that we had bad days and God pulled us through those times. And then we say, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to get stuck. I mean, we weren't stuck. We knew eventually we would get out. Eventually, even if it had to wait for the snow to melt, eventually that truck was going to get back in the garage. He had that confidence. He may not like how long it has to sit there, but the confidence was he's going to get it in the garage. But he finally got it in the garage. And that's what we have in our situation. Maybe this year was just like yesterday was trying to get the car in the garage. Maybe that's the way it's been for you. But the end is going to be better than the beginning because eventually the end was better than the beginning because he got it back in the garage. He may not want to take it out again, but he got it in the garage. And that's the way our lives are. We have this hope. We have this confidence that no matter what day, what's going on in our lives, it's going to be better. It's going to get better. The end is going to be better. And then I'm going to be stronger because of it. I'm going to be stronger. And next time this situation happens, if I get stuck next time, I'm going to have this to lean on and say, I know, Lord, in your own timing, I'm going to get this thing out. And we get stuck in our lives the same way. And we get in situations we slide off the road and we get caught in a snowbank or we end up in a ditch. But it doesn't matter because we know that God's in, in, in charge. And regardless of everything that happens, it has to be okayed by God before we can go through it. And we have to know that. So, but the world, they don't know that. They shake their fist and blame God for everything even if he didn't do it. You know, we as Christians, we at least know we've got to blame the devil. Quit blaming God. It wasn't God's fault. God's will for our lives in the garden was perfect. We had everything just great. And that's what God would love to do with our lives. But unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. And unfortunately, what my neighbor does affects me. Our daughter, this Friday, was coming home from work. Stopped at a stoplight. And somebody that wasn't paying attention, what they do, ran right in the back of her. We didn't even stop. Was doing something else and who knows what and hit her in the back end. Now, that wasn't a fun time, but there's going to be times we get re-ended re by somebody 
it doesn't matter what we do. And unfortunately, other people's decisions affect us. And we've got to roll with those punches, and we've got to be able to trust God knowing he's going to work it out. And we've got to ask God to help us to respond in a way that he wants us to respond to them. Because we don't want to act like the world when things happen. You know, sometimes I hate it because, you know, being a Christian sometimes gets in the way. Wouldn't you just love to tell somebody off just once? Just once, I'd just like to tell them what I really think. And you sit there and you smile, oh, God bless you, yes, thank you, bless your little pea-picking heart. Tennessee Ernie Ford used to, used to say, if you don't know who he is, he's old. He's older than I am, so. Yeah, older than dirt, yeah. So, but those days are going to happen, and we have to say, God, help me, help me, just calm down. Say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And if we say, praise the Lord, every time something happens, then maybe the devil will quit jabbing you with that kind of a situation. Because if God's going to get praise out of a situation, he's going to have to try something else. And so we need to, as Christians, realize that. And we need to realize that the end is going to be better than the beginning. In 2009, it doesn't matter what it's going to face. We're going to make it through it. And actually, I look forward to, a, to the calendar changing and having a whole new year ahead of us, a whole new year of wondering what is God going to do in this year? Because I know that as we progress, it's always a walk forward. It's not backing up. And as we walk closer into this new year, it's going to be better. The end of it is going to be better. And we're going to sit here a year from now and look back and say, oh, wow, look what God did this year. Look at all the people that have come to know God this year. Look at all the people that are, that are here in this church that wasn't here a year ago. Praise the Lord. So we're going to have some things to be thankful for because we look forward to the end, too, because the Lord is going to help us and the Lord's going to be with us. So this present that we live in, God's going to make us, help us get through that. Uh, Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We know that. That's kind of the theme song for the Assemblies of God, and we made a chorus out of it. And so we know that we're supposed to wait, but we live in a society that doesn't want to wait for anything. They want it, and they want it now. You go to fast food, and if it isn't there as fast as you think, then, then you're griping and you're complaining and cussing out the help and doing all these other kind of things that's going on because we live in this instant gratification society because that's what the way the world thinks. They don't want to wait for nothing. We as Christians want, need to live in the future, so it doesn't matter what's happening in the present because we don't have to worry about it because God is in control. But the world, that's all they want. They want everything, and they want it now. And we have to counteract that and just sit back and be patient. And that's, ooh, we hate that word. I said, I never pray for patience. Uh, the only people that bring to pray for patience is doctors. Because unfortunately, the only way you get patience is through problems and trials and situations. And I don't want any of those, so I'm not going to pray, God, give me a heartache today. Oh, let my car break down today, Lord. Let it break down today. I don't want to pray that. Uh-uh. No, thank you. So I'm not going to pray for patience. I'm going to pray that God will give me the strength that no matter what I go through, no matter what I face in this new year, I'm going to face it in power and the anointing of God to be able to walk the way he wants me to. And when I do that, then I can say at the end of 2009 when I stand here or whoever's standing here is going to say, yes, the end is better than the beginning. And in our own personal struggles, we can say that too. Yeah, this was a rough year for me. This was a rough year for whatever it might be. And look back and remember all those things that you went through. But see, it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And we're not, maybe not going through that one anymore. 
And we made it through that. When we were there, we didn't know how we was going to get through it. But today, we, hey, we're looking at it in the rearview mirror, and it looks better in the rearview mirror, doesn't it, than it does on the front windshield? Well, unfortunately, you're going to have these, you know, times when the, you're going to be looking at them in the front of you, and in the back of them, you're going to sit there in the middle of one and looking for the sun. But we have this confidence that God knows what's going on, and God is going to give us the strength to do it if we let him. The end will be better than the beginning than the beginning was, if we let him. Uh, Revelation 2.10 says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. We need to be faithful to God, regardless of the circumstances. We can't let this world beat us down that it starts separating us from God. We need to st- remember that we need to be faithful to God and make a conscious decision that we're going to be faithful to God. If we get up every morning and say, Today, I'm going to serve God. Today, I'm not going to let anything happen to me. No matter what it is, I'm going to serve God. And we decide that, but when our feet hit the floor, the devil should crunch and say, oh, no, she's up. That's what the devil should be thinking when we get up. And we need to walk in victory. And we can walk in victory. It doesn't matter what the score is. We watched the Jazz game yesterday, and I'm not kidding you, they were down by 15 points, and we were getting, turn that thing off. Then we kept coming back, you know, looking, see what the score is. And looking what the score is, did they, did they really, did they, did they pull it out? Did they, did they start getting close or whatever? Well, sooner or later, they started playing better, and they ended up losing in double overtime. But I didn't think they had a prayer. We have all these injuries on the team. We've got all these injuries and all our star people out, and yet, hey, they won the other night. And they almost, they could have won. They had one free throw away from winning yesterday or last night. And that's what we are in our lives. We don't know what's going on. Sure, it may look like we're defeated, and the devil may think that we're dead, and we're gone, and that's it. But we're not. As long as we've determined in our mind every day, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm not going to let the devil keep me away from church on Sunday morning. I'm not going to let him keep me away from Wednesday nights. I'm not going to let him keep me away from any function that we have at the church. doesn't matter what it is. I'm not going to let the devil keep me from ministering to my family or my friends. I'm not going to let him embarrass me to the point where I won't say anything about God. I'm not going to let that happen. And every morning we decide that. See, if you decide it before it happens, it's already a done deal. It doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about it. It's making the decision. And I've already made that decision. And so I don't have to worry about making it every morning because I've already made it. I don't need to worry about it. And God's already made that decision. He's going to be faithful to us. He's already decided that from the foundation of the world. He's already decided that he is going to be faithful to us. It isn't dependent upon what we do, what we say, what we don't do. God's going to be faithful to us. We have that promise. But we need to to be faithful to God. I wish I could be as faithful to God as he's been to me over these years. If we could do that, man, what a difference we'd make. And that this year, I want to say, God, let this year be a, make a difference. Let me make a difference in people's lives this next year. I want to make a difference. I want to, when, I, when they throw me in a hole in the ground, if the Lord comes, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be thrown in a hole in the ground. I'm going to be cremated. Don't like, don't like dark holes. <laughs> don't like those places. And God can put the little particles together wherever they're at, so I don't even worry about them. But until then, I want somebody to say, I made a difference in somebody's life. I want to make a difference in this congregation and in this church. So when the Lord, if the Lord tarries and someone else eventually comes in and fills this position, I want him to say, yeah, I made a difference. Somehow, some way, I made a difference in somebody's life. Because I know it's made a difference in my life. 
because now I'm more, I've got more accountability than I had in the middle of the summer. I got a lot more accountability to God, and that scares me to death on one hand, and the other hand, it makes excites me because I wonder how God is going to do it, how God is going to work it out because I know I have to depend on God. I have to do it in God's strength. If I try to do it in my strength, believe me, you'll know it because I'm not that strong on my own. Forget it. So I've decided I'm going to let God do it and not wear myself out. I'm going to let God do it, and God always does it right. Sometimes I may not make the right decisions. I've made a lot, probably already made a lot of bad decisions just since I've been pastoring this church. I know I've made some mistakes. But hey, this is a learning experience for all of us. And it doesn't matter what we do for God. It's a learning experience. It doesn't matter. And we're all going to make mistakes. We just have to pick up and say, yeah, I messed up. Lord, help me not to make that mistake again. Give me wisdom so I don't make any more mistakes that are that seems to be that stupid. Because when we look at things hindsightly, you think, man, how did I ever do that? How did I ever do that stupid thing or say that stupid thing? You know, if we could just sit there and just control this little thing, we'd be okay, wouldn't we? Because you can't, once they're out here, you just can't grab them and pull them back in because they're gone. And unfortunately, some things we say, they're not the right things to say. So I know I've made mistakes, but I'm looking forward to the future. I can't do anything about the past. It's been the past. That's under the blood. I just have to ask for forgiveness and do what I need to do to be able to pick it up and go on and knowing that I, hopefully I won't do that again. Because the best teacher is the mistakes we make. The best teachers we have are through mistakes and the bad choices that we make. That's how we learn. Your kids don't learn, hasn't learned things because of the nice flowery things they get. It's through the punishments that they get. I remember when our, our I'm going to use my daughter tonight too. Wow, kids are going to be excited. When our kids were teenagers and we had a rule, they all had chores to do every Saturday and they had to have till 1 o'clock in the afternoon to complete those chores. That was it. If it wasn't done at 1 o'clock, you didn't go out Saturday night. Oh, that sounds like a good rule, doesn't it? Good law. Get your work done. The only ones that got a reprieve was the people, because I didn't clean my own room, my own bathroom. You know, I had four kids. There's no reason why I had to clean anything. <laughs> they got a little bit of reprieve. If we happened to get up till noon, then they had the extra time frame. But that was the only circumstances. Well, our daughter thought, well, that's no big deal. I'm not going to have my work done by 1 o'clock. So she didn't have her work done at 1 o'clock. So at 1 o'clock I said, hey, you're not going anywhere. So she hurries and does her work and does all those other kind of things and come time to go out, you're not going anywhere. You're grounded. You're not going anywhere. And she threw a hemorrhage. She threw a fit. I mean, I'm kidding you. That, oh, those kids, don't they throw fits really well? And it's harder when they're teenagers because they're louder. And when they're a little older, their voices will shriek and squeak a lot louder. So they're a little more irritating. But hey. And we had to suffer through that whole time frame that she wasn't going to go out. But I guarantee it, she never did it again. Every Saturday after that, by 1 o'clock, everything was done. But if we hadn't had that, so, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, I'll let you, let, you, let you slide. I'll just let you slide this one time, but don't do it again. We as parents, when we say, don't, well, okay, let them slide, they do it again. They do it again and again and again and again, and they test our grace and they test our mercy same way we do with God. But if we stick to our guns, they'll learn the lesson. They'll suffer through for a short time, but the end will be better than the beginning because then they'll have the whole afternoon that they can goof off and they can be with their friends and then they get to go out. And that's the same thing with us. We need to do the same things because God's faithful to If he says something, we're not going to get around him. Hey, God says this is what you need to do and you don't do it. There's consequences. There's consequences in this life. 
for things that if our kids don't obey us, and there's consequences when we don't obey God. We may not like the consequences, and we may kick and moan and scream and, you know, get mad at God and, and tell him how angry you are at God because it didn't work out the way we wanted to. But the reality is, and it's going to be better, when we just suck it up, say, yeah, I messed up. I messed up. It was my fault. I ended up in here because of the situation. So we're going to have those kind of situations next year. So I'm asking God for wisdom in my own life that I don't have as many of them next year as I had this year. Hopefully I'm a quick learner. I'm a quick study so I don't have to do it again. I don't have to go around that same mountain over and over and over and over again that I can go to another mountain at least. So we're faithful unto death. I will give you a crown of life. And it isn't faithful just one day. It's until our death. Because the war isn't over. The battle isn't over until the Lord comes or we're dead. We're supposed to be faithful our whole lives. Because God is faithful to us throughout eternity. And once we get to be with him, then we don't have to worry about all these trials and tribulations. Then we, they'll be gone. So then we can be really be easy for us to be faithful <laughs> then. Uh, Romans 8.18 says, For consider the sufferings of this present times are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed unto us. No matter what we're going through, one day we're going to stand in the kingdom of God and we're going to look back at these and say, Hey, what in the world? Why was I having such a hard time with that? What was the big deal? Because it won't matter. It won't be important. Jesus, when he was born in this manger that we just celebrated this last week, it was a great beginning. Oh, man, it was fantastic. All the angels singing and all these other kind of things. Oh, it was wonderful. But from the time Jesus was born, he knew what the end was. And he endured everything because he knew the end was going to be better than the beginning. And he knew why he was doing it. He knew that he had to die. And he was born to die. He wasn't born to be a cute little manger, baby in the manger that people could come and see and say, oh, isn't he cute? That isn't why he was born. He was born to die from a cross for our sins. So he was looking forward to the time that he could pay the penalty for our sins. And so the end is better than the beginning. And that's the same thing with us. The end, our end will be better than the beginning if we remain faithful to God. We have that promise. Romans 6, 8, and 9. Now we... If we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over us. Death doesn't have dominion over us. When something happens, you know, I always tell somebody, I'm not afraid of getting killed in a car accident. I'm afraid of getting hurt. Death doesn't, I'm not afraid of dying. And when we're a Christian, that's, that's, that's what people can dangle over people's lives, is their life. When somebody comes in and threatens to kill you, Oh, I'm so fearful for my death, I'll do anything. Well, hey, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of being injured. <laughs> death is not a big deal to me. That's, that's my invitation into, the, into another realm that I've spent my whole, well, most of my, well, last 20 years anyway, of my life striving for. I can't say that I did that my whole life, even though the inner person in my mind, or my uh, spirit man, wanted that. But I didn't know. But I've been striving for that. I've been looking forward to that. So when death comes to me, it'd be like a kid at Christmas. I finally get to open the presents under the tree. Wow. Oh, man, punish me like that some more, you know. So they can't, we can't be threatened by death as Christians. We look forward to it. But we live in the present, looking forward to the future, knowing that everything that is, happens to us is in God's control. The end is... 
If the end is better than the beginning, there has to be a beginning. That makes sense, doesn't it? And there are some people maybe here this morning that they haven't begun a life with God. Or maybe you're a Christian and you haven't gotten rid of, the, rid of some of those things in your life. Or maybe your heart isn't right where it needs to be. And you're wondering, well, I don't know. But you have to have a beginning before the end can be better. And the beginning starts with God. If we haven't made a decision to serve God and to ask him to cleanse us and to forgive us of our sins and cover us with his blood, these are the only times that the end is not going to be better than the beginning. Because if we don't accept Christ and we don't ask him to come into our lives, when we stand before God and the judgment day, and he's going to say, okay, how you, why should I let you into my heaven? And you say, well, hey, I've been good. I went to church every Sunday. I even went on Wednesday nights once in a while. And if they had a revival, I even managed to show up once in a while. I've been, I'm, I'm a good person. Hey, you know, let me in because of that. And God said, let's pick up his book and he's going to look. And see your name. Sorry. Good doesn't cut it. Good isn't good enough. It's ne- we're never going to be good enough. The only thing that matters is what did you do with Jesus? Oh, you celebrated Christmas. You celebrated Easter. Oh, wow, that's great. But what did you do with him in your own heart? What did you do with him in your own life? Did you ask him to forgive you of your sin? Did you ask him to come into your life? Did you ask him to save you? Did you give your life to him? If Christians, if we do, if we have, we say, because of your blood. That's why you should let me in. I can get in because you died for my sins. And I've accepted you. And then God will look and say, oh, yeah, there you are. There's your name. And there's no sins attached to it. There's nothing there. It's a clean record. Man, righteousness, righteousness, righteousness is in its place. But if you haven't started that beginning, if there is no beginning walk with God, then it's not going to happen to you. And your end is not going to be better than, than your beginning. It won't happen. Because only Christians can claim that verse. Only Christians have that hope that tomorrow will be better or the end will be better than the beginning. Only Christians can claim that. And if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted him as your personal savior, I invite you to do that. Because the end is going to be better than the beginning. No matter what you go through, it isn't going to equate to what he's prepared for us. No matter, I don't care, you can think of the best thing that's ever happened to you in your life. If you had all the money in the world and everything that there was and all the jewels, it won't equate to the time when you stand before God and he says those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because that's what I long for. Those are the words that I want to hear. Oh, yeah, if somebody says, oh, yeah, I enjoyed your sermon this morning. Or, oh, thank you for doing this. Or, thank you for doing that. It doesn't matter to me because I'm looking forward to that day when Jesus says, thank you. And he says, well done. That's what I'm looking forward to. And then I have that hope and that confidence that knowing that everything is going to be better in the end. And I have that confidence in him. There are going to be a lot of people this next week that's going to go out. And they're going to party. And they're going to drink way too much. And they're going, to, they're going to get up the next morning and they're going to suffer horrendously. And they should. <laughs> Every hangover I ever had, I earned. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, and they have to get up and say, we went out a few times. I asked Randy, he says, did I have a good time? <laughs> you know, because, oh, <laughs> I wonder. And I'm thankful that God delivered me from that. And I remember being so sick. But I had a good time. And when he said I did, I don't remember. So the end of that night was not as good as the beginning was or during it. 
But as Christians, we have a hope. We don't have to worry about the end of the thing because God's already decided that for us. God's already decided that our end is going to be better than the beginning. So as we look forward to 2009, forward to it, knowing that we've given it to him and we've accepted him as our Savior. The head, heads bows, eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you can't, can't say that maybe the end isn't as, you can't see the end because you haven't started at the beginning. Is there someone here that doesn't know Christ as your personal Savior and saying, this morning I want to do that? 